Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Augie. Morning, Nia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, we both still sound froggy and sexy because it's still allergy season in Richmond. I'm pretty sure the allergy season in Richmond runs from like March through like December. Um, there's always something for me to be allergic to. Yeah, I mean, it, it, for, you know, somebody like me, who one has a very uh, uh, energetic nine-year-old daughter who likes to play outside. Um, and then you couple that with the fact that I like to run outside. Okay. I was going to say, you're a runner, and yes. it doesn't even involve clowns or bears. You like run for pleasure. Yeah, right. So, I mean, you weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> I like to walk, actually. I walk in my neighborhood and I, I listen to music when I walk. So, sometimes I walk slash dance, and then I realize I'm doing that outside. And then I look around to see if anybody saw me, and usually somebody has. So, I'm, yeah, I guess I'm over embarrassing myself. I'm like, yeah, that's just the nature of me. Well, I mean, in, 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 yeah, I'm at a point now to where uh, I say I'm running, but I don't run that fast. And by the, <laughs> and by the end of the runs, okay, I probably look like somebody that, you know, passerbys are thinking about calling EMT. <laughs> Okay. I think that guy's okay. Should we go check on him? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> you know, so, you know, you have your embarrassment factor in regards to, you know, perhaps, you know, breaking out into a little dance. For me, it's just like, oh, look at that, you know, poor middle-aged dude, okay, who looks like he's, he's about ready to kill over. I tell you, <laughs> if the world was a musical... I would love it. I know there are people who don't like musicals, but I would love it if just every once in a while we break into song. You not so much. No, I, 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 I just. Good song and dance routine, Augie. I'm telling you, it would fix so much of what is wrong in the world. I, 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 I just struggle with that, right? <laughs> um, uh, and, and, and again, you know, if you can't buy into the concept, right? You know, because you know. I've you're not alone we huh? have colleagues you're not alone we have colleagues who are like i i don't understand the songs they don't move the story forward it's that it's people being introspective when they shouldn't know these things and then they forget them immediately when they stop singing i'm like yeah okay it's not really it's not really a realistic musical form it's just a fun but 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 on the other hand you know you know somebody like me who you know i, I you know field of dreams a movie about you know, an <gasps> Iowa, you know, a corn farmer, okay, who starts hearing voices, plows under his field to make a a, 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 a a baseball field. Okay, I'm just like, oh, yeah, I could see myself doing that. And other people <laughs> are just like, really? And I'm like, oh, yeah, the power of baseball. Okay. And it, 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 it culminates, okay, with the, the, this adult male Okay, go, being able to go back in time and play catch with his, his dad. Oh my yeah. God, yes, right? Yeah. Yeah, 
Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. People are wondering that's Kevin Costner, Field of Dreams. Kevin Costner also made the best baseball movie ever in the history of baseball movies, which is Bull Durham. Yes. Um, Which Which, we could talk about for hours, but we won't. Which is actually uh, 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 more uh, uh, an adult romantic comedy set in baseball right in minor league baseball (laughs) yeah it's not really a baseball movie i suppose moneyball would be a baseball movie um but 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 even but even moneyball okay is a movie about analytics and geeks right yeah i mean if you think about it right yeah i guess field of dreams is actually about well i don't know that's about relationships too oh goodness um so uh, and we're being lighthearted, but we're about to delve into something pretty not lighthearted. So we'd like to warn listeners. Um, one, uh, we are talking about the Kerner Commission. We're finishing up with the Kerner Commission today. And so one, you need to keep in mind that in 1967, language was used in that commission report that we don't use today. Um, language such as the word Negro, which appears multiple times um, in the 428-page report, and also some really uncomfortable topics are covered by the commission report, right, Augie? Yeah, I mean, this, this is a commission report um, that uh, uh, took head-on, um, looked head-on at the issue of, uh, of racism in the United States um, and made some rather striking conclusions uh, about um, structural racism um, and uh, the kinds of changes that the country would need to make that are even controversial today, are even controversial today. So you used a word, and I would like for us to to go back and define that if we could. You used the word redlining. I think I used it and you used it, and I don't know that either one of us defined it redlining had to do with bank loans right yes who could get a bank loan yeah um and it arose primarily um uh with uh people of color um and also to a certain extent religious minorities attempting to get loans to either uh, establish businesses or to buy homes and what bankers did, okay, uh, was to use a red pen or marker and create lines, okay, um, in maps, okay, that would basically segregate the population. Right. You can get a loan to live in this part of the city, but not to live in this part of the city. You could so get a loan. So if you wanted to live in a part of the city, if you were African-American and you wanted to live in the part of the city that was white, you would not be able to get a bank loan to do that. Now, if you had the funds to do it and somebody would sell to you, which is also the other issue, um, you could do it. But people, generally speaking, can't buy a full house like if you ask me right now if I could go out and buy uh, just a house without a mortgage, after I finished laughing and perhaps choking, I would say uh, no. Because yeah, right. The vast I mean, majority of people don't have that kind of funding laying around. They have to go through a bank. So banks were gatekeeping neighborhoods. Yes. Yes. Right? They were 
and that feeds structural racism because a bank, okay, you know, is not part of the government per se. Right. But the banks were enforcing residential and business segregation, right? You know, oh, you want to get a, a, a loan to open up X business, okay? Well, where are you going to place that business? Oh, that's a white neighborhood. Well, I don't think you can get, I don't think you qualify for the loan. Right. Okay. Right. Or I suppose that probably certain businesses could do that because they would be seen as useful to the white community. Sure. Right. right? But I mean, so that's the other thing yeah. is what kind yeah. of business do you want to have? You want to have a business that serves mostly black folk? Well, we don't want them coming into the community to That's use right. business. So no thank yeah, you. We, You'll need to locate that over here. I mean, yeah, that's we, the subtlety. It's not the somebody just saying, oh, you're black. No, you can't own a business in that neighborhood. It's a it, it's a it's a more subtle way of doing uh, of segregating and keeping people on the quote right quote side of the of the of tracks the line. right i mean think about it right um when you know when this country um still relied upon railroads to deliver goods and services across the country okay um you had the right side and the wrong side of the tracks right the right side of the tracks okay um, where, uh, you know, uh, communities, neighborhoods, usually populated by uh, middle and upper class whites, um, uh, the police departments, okay, uh, patrolled and provided uh, neighborhoods, you know, safety and security quite well. The wrong side of the tracks, poor people, people of color, right? Right. Okay, and we'll keep all those people there, right? Is we don't want them crossing over the tracks. When we built the interstate highway system, okay, Nia, you and I have talked about this uh, off recording a number of times. The number of communities, neighborhoods, okay, uh, of color that have interstate highways through them, okay, is horrifically tremendous in number okay right and that's a really good way to break up the neighborhood right to keep it from sure okay from being a powerful entity but also to make it super dangerous for people to get from one side to the other that's right i okay. hear you run across all 16 lanes of highway 95 and we'll see if you make it if you do then you can be you can hang out over here and that's 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 just a physical manifestation of what we're talking about that is easy to see especially if you live in richmond or any city where you can drive down the highway and see the difference between one side of the highway and the other there it's a barrier it's yeah i mean the, the 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 Biden administration uh made news okay in the last two weeks because it actually stopped a proposed federal highway expansion in the city of Houston uh, because it would run through a neighborhood primarily of color. And he based it on the 1964 Civil Rights Act. 
I mean, there are landmark Supreme Court decisions where the court said, um, most prominently in the Overton Park case, okay, in the, I believe, the early 1970s, where the Supreme Court went ahead and said, okay, if you're going to go ahead and put a, 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 an interstate highway um, uh, into a community, um, you have to follow a particular process. Otherwise, you're violating the Administrative Procedures Act. You just can't go ahead and say, well, this is a neighborhood that is comprised of people of color, so we can ignore them. Right. Okay. Right. So what you're seeing in 67 is years and years and years of that kind of thing, building yes. up to, to the level of frustration of people physically acting out because they can't figure out how else to get your attention right because they've asked nicely over and over and over and over through the courts through the through politics through all kinds of things they've tried to do this in a way that's not shouting and throwing things and burning things down and they're not getting listened to and so that's what they start to do in in, in the 65 66 67 range where they start saying you know what maybe if we make enough noise you will listen yeah, and I maybe mean, because, if we make enough loud, scary noise, you'll pay attention and you'll listen to our grievances that have gone on for multiple generations. Right? This isn't like, yeah. Oh I mean, well, we when, woke up this morning and decided to set fire to Watts. I mean, that's not how that works. That's yeah. I mean, when, when centuries of accommodation tactics no longer work, at some point in time, okay. Right then you're going to have more confrontational tactics being used, right? I mean, right. I, and, 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 and I and, have to, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah. I have to wonder if part of, so am I correct that, that the president wasn't really fond of this report? Oh, Johnson hated the report. I, I have a theory about that. My theory is that in part, he probably thought people were being ungrateful. After all I've done, after all the capital I've spent trying to get the 1964 Civil Rights Act passed and blah, 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 this is the thanks I get. You know what I mean? Like, because it's a privileged viewpoint that he, I am sure, well, I'm not sure because I don't know Johnson, but that that part of me has to wonder if he was mad because he thought i'm trying to fix things i've been trying to fix things i don't know what you want from me well i mean not knowing what johnson was thinking because right cause okay but none I mean, of us can as, ask him okay but you know you know again as our colleague bill newman uh uh pointed out in a previous podcast episode uh, where we were talking about characters in government. Okay, President Johnson, for all the strengths, also had a glaring weakness. He was megalomaniacal, right? I mean, the, the, the guy basically thought, you know, the moon, the stars, the sun, the entire, you know, planetary system revolved around him. Right. Right. So when the current commission comes out and says, okay, government you know, sucks. Okay. And structural racism 
okay, by whites is the problem, right? That needs to be addressed, okay? Johnson was, was, was floored, right? Um, uh, I mean, you know, think about this. You know, one of the criticisms by many is that the Kerner Commission, when it was originally constituted, was populated, okay, by moderate political figures. Okay, I mean, even Wilkins, who was the head of the NAACP, was getting criticized by, you know, certain uh, African American interest groups as being too accommodationist. Okay, right. You know, well, and Martin Luther King Jr. was was also of that beginning as well. to get criticized, right. you know, by you know by the, the some media. of the stronger groups on the on the edges of the. Yeah, of that, the that we're looking movement. for, you know, uh, uh, you know, a black separatist movement, right. right? Okay, so you know, LBJ had to think, right? You know, I've appointed folks who are, you know, part of the system, right? You know, I got the, you know, the the head of labor in the United States, right? I got elected officials from Congress, right? You know, I got governors of, okay, uh, you know, I got a governor of uh, the, 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 the state of Illinois. I got the mayor of New York, right? You can't get more establishment than that, right? Right. So he had to be thinking, I'm going to go ahead and get a nice report that's going to allow me to go, go after, you know, for instance, um, you know, communists, right? I mean, this is the Cold War, right? Right. Okay. Right, or labor unionists, like people, okay, people who are in some some agitator kind of yes. mindset, right? That I'm going to be able to go after them because they're the ones who are, who started this whole thing, not the good fine people who got caught up in it. And we can forgive those people and everybody can go back to the way things were. Sound yes familiar anybody Sounds familiar right okay right? right like that's what he was hoping for he was hoping right for some sort of well we don't know that for certain because we don't we don't know exactly what but, he's thinking but, but, but he chose a bunch of moderates hoping he would get probably a moderate sort of well there are a few things that need to be fixed but for the most part this was this was outside agitators a phrase we hear not infrequently in the last 18 months. This was outside agitators who came in and, and took over the thing and made it worse than it was. And Well, yeah. and, he, and, and even he even thought that the commission would criticize the media for uh, over inflating the problem. Instead, the Kerner Commission went ahead and said the media was part of the problem, as in it doesn't do a good job reporting, okay, what is actually the cause? Right. So he, <laughs> he was disappointed on a number of levels. He was disappointed on so many levels, right? <laughs> so many levels, right? I mean, the Kerner Commission even went ahead and challenged some common narratives, Nia, um, that you, you know, you still hear echoes of today. Right. Okay. The Kerner Commission, for instance, uh, criticized um, uh, uh, a critique 
of, of uh, people of color, okay, um, um, uh, who are unwilling to go ahead and uh, assimilate into the, you know, broader American culture like immigrants do, right? The Kerner Commission was just like, the African-American experience is so unlike, okay, the immigrant experience in the United States, okay? Um, because when most immigrants came to the United States at the apex of industrialization in the late 1800s, early 1900s, what was available to them? A whole bunch of jobs. You know what was available to African-Americans when they moved to the cities in the 1930s and 1940s? The Great Depression. Right. Okay. So you well, can't... And- and if you and if you think about it in terms of building a society, I mean, the the slavery contribution to the building of the American society cannot be overstated. Like it's right. So it's not part of an immigrant experience in the sense of there is a thing that's already here that you're assimilating into. Africans brought over as slaves built the thing that other people are assimilating into. They helped build the thing, whites and, and they, blacks together. And, and they and had no choice. The actual work, right. And the huge amount of the actual work done by people who were given no choice and didn't want to come here in the first dang place. Most of it, like, you know, they yeah. didn't say, sign me up for that slavery gig. Like, that's not, that's not what slavery is, right? So, yeah, African-Americans yeah, those, ag- those experiences are completely different. Yeah, African-Americans didn't vote with their feet when they came over as slaves. Right. Okay, (laughs) you know, they were forced to come here. Immigrants might have been forced to leave their previous country, but they oftentimes made a conscious choice to come here for a better life, right? Well, and and Americans think that immigrants don't go other places, but I hate to break this to you. Immigrants go lots of other places. Not all immigrants choose to go to the United States. The United States isn't isn't the world panacea necessarily. I mean, lots of immigrants try to go to lots of other countries. Whereas slavery, you had no choice about where you were going to end up. That's you were right. going to end up where the where the most money was to buy you. Yes. Um, so yeah, I good for the Kerner Commission on going, are you bananas? Those are not even remotely the same thing. And in part of Johnson's reaction okay to the kerner commission was the kerner commission specifically called for nia massive government spending and this had to upset lbj right because lbj okay you know you know his great society programs were supposed to be a solution to some of these problems and the current Kerner Commission came out and said, one, it's not enough. And two, in some situations, it's, it's made the problem worse. Right. It's not working. And Johnson politically was in an untenable position because when the Kerner Commission issued the report, he had already committed to increase U.S. involvement in the Vietnam War, Right. So Johnson was already being criticized for trying to increase federal government spending for both 
guns and butter, guns being war, butter being domestic spending, right? Domestic program spending. So Johnson was just like, this gives me nothing because I can't go back to Congress and ask for more money, right? I'm all right. Okay, in the language of, of, of lending, which we started off this particular podcast episode, Johnson was already highly leveraged, okay? He had no more collateral to give, right? right. Okay, you know? So. <laughs> yeah, I like that in place of the other thing that people don't have to give. I yes. like that. I prefer that. I have no collateral to give. Um, but you, there's a thing in here that I want. You, you quoted, uh, sorry, I, by the thing in here, I mean um, Augie's extensive notes that I've, that I've been reading and I find fascinating. At some point, we should share your notes with folks. Um, we believe that the emphasis of the program should be changed from traditional publicly built slum based high rise projects to smaller units on scattered sites. And he's talking about public housing. Yes. And and I and the and the idea that or the Kerner Commission is saying is basically quit building 18 story basically slums and yes. build littler buildings all over so that you integrate yes and so that your so that your neighborhood has lower income folks middle income folks and higher income folks all in the same neighborhood because that will benefit everybody it benefits the schools right because higher in, income folks will help will help with the tax base but the lower income folks and we know this about lower income folks um I, I know this from the evictions episode, actually. They are very bill conscious. They will pay their bills given the opportunity to do so. They don't want to default. That's not a thing. And if you put them in a position where they don't have to default, where their situation is good, they have a decent job that's walkable or reachable in, by public transportation, and then they like they will stay in those homes they will take care of those homes they will be long-term residents which is what you want in in neighborhoods right you want long-term residents because that's what builds neighborhood cohesion and so even then the Kerner commission was saying you know if you did this differently and if we had done it when they said when they suggested it, we might not have the eviction problems that we have now yeah, where, I mean, because, where because, housing is separated from jobs by quite a few number of miles and people don't always have the ability to get to those jobs on time. Like there's some I mean, relation involved in yeah, that. I mean, you know, think about India. I mean, I'm glad you touched upon uh, the, the previous episodes um, uh, um, uh, about eviction. Um, and listeners, I highly recommend you go back and give them a listen. But you know, public housing, the way it developed in the United States has been criticized by both conservatives and liberals, right? Liberals have, you know, criticized it much like the Kerner Commission did, right? Um, you know, public housing, these big high rise concrete buildings, okay? Basically allow cities, urban jurisdictions, to segregate all their poor people, 
Right. Okay. Into places that nearly all of us will never care about. And would not want to live. That's right. And okay. those folks don't want to live there either. No grad, okay. no green space, no place for their kids to play. No, I mean, all you the, know. And, and, and then conservatives then go ahead and say, we have spent billions of dollars on public housing. Okay. And we still have all of these problems. Right. Okay. And the Kerner Commission's re re response, as you just pointed out, was, yeah, we spent you know, we were back then. It was it was a brand new concept, right? Right. But we're spending money, okay, poorly. Right. In a dumb okay. way. <laughs> okay. Right. And guess what? It's going to lead to. And they were right. Right. Okay. And then the Kerner Commission goes ahead and says, on top of that, think about how many communities are responding to these riots. They're spending more money on cops giving them more weapons, okay, and basically going ahead and saying to the cops, now you guys solve this problem, okay? You guys solve the problem. Again, listeners, does this sound familiar? Right. Right? Now, you know, Nia's heard me, you know, off, off record, go ahead and, and, and be critical of the quote-unquote defund the police label. I think it's a, you know, it, it's a catchy phrase, right? It's I think a catchy it's, phrase, but it's, but if you believe in it as the straight phrase concept, defund the police, that's not going to work. It's not going to work. On the other hand, both Nia, you and I agree, right? Police departments are not the solution right. for every problem in society. Exactly. Not every okay. problem is a nail and the police are not a hammer. That's like right. that's that's not a wise thing to just throw the police at a problem. And the Kerner Commission identified that in 1968, right? I mean, it is truly remarkable how we are still, you know, thinking, well, let's just go ahead and give our uniformed men and women, typically in blue uniforms, okay, this task, this crappy, well-entrenched, intractable task. And then we're going to act surprised when additional problems arise. Right. I mean, I mean, I don't know about you, but as I was reading the Kerner Commission report, I was, I was, I was thinking, is, is this not the definition of insanity? We're doing the exact same thing over and over again. And we're hoping for a better outcome. Well, it, it you know, comes back. Uh, sorry. Another example of it is, is again, this housing thing. When you build a vertical, what you're building is a vertical ghetto. Yes. And then you're surprised when people don't want to live there and it's not, and it's hard to maintain and it's hard for people to feel a sense of community. Like, because you've basically said to them, we're putting you over here on this piece of land and we don't want to hear from you again. We're, yes. we're shutting you out of, of what we, and what we, what the marketing world teaches us is the American dream, right? There's, 
the American dream is not to live in a rundown 18 floor, you know, ghettoized building somewhere downtown where there's no infrastructure and no green space. Like that's, you no can't be surprised when people don't, when, when it's doesn't, when it's not seen as the solution. And so, yeah, I, it's amazing to me that, that the Kerner the Kerner Commission early on was saying, you know, this stuff's not going to work, right? Like, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, right. This is, okay. this is not solving the problem because what the problem is, is racism. The problem is white people don't want to live with brown people. Yes, and like, that's like, racist. That's, that's racism. Racist. Okay. Right? And And you can't solve that by saying... Well, we built you a really nice building. I don't know why you're complaining because you still don't want to live with me. You still don't want to respect me as a human. You still don't want to treat me equitably and equally, right? Like, yeah, that's why don't. I don't. You could build me the nicest building in the world, but if you put it in a place where what you're Nobody saying. Nobody else is, wants to live. Right. Okay. Then, you know. What's the message to me? Right. Yeah. What's right? the message it's, to me? Okay. That's if a gilded cage. Yeah, if you're not going to go ahead and grant me the same access to opportunities that you have enjoyed, it sends a pretty clear message, right? Exactly. Okay, when you tell me, okay, that um, I'm not good enough to have a grocery store, an right. affordable grocery store, right? With fresh vegetables, me, right. If you tell me that my kids don't have the same right as your kids do, okay, to a solid school, you know, and I'm not talking about, you know, with all the bells and whistles, et cetera, et cetera. No, just be able to go to school where they don't, you know, they don't fear for their lives, that they have teachers who actually give a damn, right? Where the right. build, you know, the school buildings aren't falling down around them. That sends a pretty clear message. That's racist, right? That's racist. And that's right? what the Kerner Commission was saying. Excuse me, yeah. America, we have a racism problem. Yes. Right. And how did people respond to that? Oh, terribly. Right. Okay. Um, almost immediately. Okay. Um, a solid majority of white Americans condemned the report's claim that racism was the reason for the riots. Okay. Sound 15, familiar? Yes. Right. No, it can't. It's not racism. It's something else. What is it? I don't know, but it's not that. Whereas African-Americans, okay, nearly 60% of them agreed with the findings. Hello? Big, yes, big shock, right? Yeah, the victims of racism were like, um, you know, there's racism, right? Yes. And the perpetrators of racism were saying, no, there isn't, because I would know if I was racist. Racist, that's right. And that's the thing. You know what? The majority of people in the world um, sorry, I'm going to opine for just a minute here um, because that's a new word I learned this morning. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, sorry. Thanks, Augie, for that word. Um, the majority of people in the world are not openly, like, if you said to them, do you dislike brown, sorry, the majority of white people, if you said to them, do you dislike black and brown people because they're black and brown, they would say, of course not. Right, because they're because that's the bar that they set. Yes. Then they say I'm not racist. And and you're like, yeah, okay, but you know, 
do you cross what about the street? your be yeah what you about your behavior when, young, when four or five young black men are coming towards you on the on the sidewalk do you cross the street do you hold your purse a little bit tighter do you tense up do you do any of those things because you think something might happen that does or doesn't happen you know what they're thinking they're thinking i hope we can get I hope we hear some good music tonight, or I hope I get to see my friends. They're, they're not thinking, thinking about you at all. You are not think, in the picture. Nia, they're thinking the same damn things that we think. That okay. teenagers are thinking when they walk down the road, which is, yeah, right. Okay. I hope that girl or boy likes me. I hope, I, yes, hope right? I get an A on that test tomorrow. I hope my mama doesn't realize that I broke X thing last night. You <laughs> yeah, know, right. All okay. things, and you are not even part of the equation. It's, it, but yeah, so sorry. I just feel like there's this, there's a, when whites say, well, that can't possibly have been like, the, the cause of something, that's a total denial of the, of the systemic problems that, that the United States has been experiencing for 200 years. Well, I mean, and even think about this, Nia, public opinion polls showed that Northern whites who supported LBJ's civil rights initiatives you know the laws passed by congress okay within three years okay thought that lbj was too aggressive so where you really started to see change among whites was in northern ethnic communities who were like hey wait a minute here okay did we not already do x for these people Okay, and now we have a commission created by the president that's now saying we're still racist. This is bullshit, right? And that was part of the that was part of the backlash, right? Right. I mean, think about it. Okay, Richard Nixon runs for president in 1968. Okay, saying that. He's gonna he's gonna go ahead and take care of the silent majority. That was code for who white Nia? People. White yes. people. Yes. White middle class folks, right? Not those elites that Nixon never trusted, right? And not people of color, right? It was the nice white middle class folks living in suburbia, okay? who were like, hey, wait a minute here. We already gave these people, and they used that language. These people, those people, right? I mean, when people, you know, when folks use that kind of phrase, it sends a very clear message. Right. They're separating. Yes. You're not. You people. You're not you're us. You're not, yes. you know, you're them. Okay. You know, language sends all kinds of very clear messages, right? Right. Okay. Um, so, you know, Nixon gets elected president, right? Um, and almost immediately, okay, um, you know, you know, we saw police officers being armed like soldiers, okay? Um, cracking down on crime, right? Well, and then you get, in the 80s, you get stop and frisk, and you get all these other sort of 
openly racist policies that come out of well anyway what a long history of doing that it, so what do uh, we no, but, 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 but nia don't stop there i mean think about it nixon ford reagan even bill clinton right okay right. donald trump okay i mean you know you know we had a series of presidents okay yes most of them were republican but one was a democrat okay yeah. who carter okay but you know carter didn't really do very much in that regard mm, okay okay you know, you carter clinton? yeah carter had other crises <laughs> and clinton with the three strikes and the whole like well i mean the the, the mandatory minimums right okay i mean which he has know, expressed regret for now and i think he understands didn't didn't help the cause at all right like yeah right this this you know but i mean nia rights didn't end in the 1960s right okay and they they, they didn't just magically arise in 2021 or 2020 united states you had rights in miami in 1980 and also in 1989 you had the L.A. riots in 1992 um, after the uh, Rodney King um, uh, beating trial verdict, right? Um, Which I have Petersburg. many feelings about. Okay, Cincinnati riots in 2001. You had riots in New York and Flatbush in 2013, okay? You had Oakland riots in 2014. You had the Ferguson uh, riots, okay? Baltimore protests 2015. Okay, pretty much every year this millennium, Nia, right. okay, we have had riots, right? And we have to ask ourselves why, because we haven't fixed it yet. And and we need, and the first step to fixing, uh, again, opining in just a minute, the first step to fixing it is recognizing that there's a problem. So when the 53% of people who were polled after the commission report came out and said, oh no, racism, racism is not what's causing these riots. It, like, are you, are you crazy beans? Like, what is wrong with you that you can't see that there is a real connection between how people are treated and how they respond? That, that, Yes, that's true of all animals, humans included. If you mistreat a human over and over and over and over, that human learns to learns coping mechanisms until there's a point at which they can't cope anymore. And yes. then something happens. They either run away or they fight back or there's something right like it's I don't understand how we can keep having this discussion over and over and over and over without recognizing the real problem. And the real problem is access. When you deny people access to all the systems, educational access, financial access, employment access, when you deny that to them based solely on their skin color, you cannot be surprised when, when eventually- they push back. Right. Yeah. yeah, they push back. Right? And legitimately so. It's it's so good for Kerner that they were saying there is a solution here, and the solution is for white folks to take account of their part in this. 
and to and to try to help fix that but you know but we get and then you get what we have now with current politicians saying um you know that that we don't understand what these people want we don't understand they've gotten all these opportunities we don't understand what they want sure we do well and and, and also too uh, in Nia, you've heard me say this again off record okay um you know throwing money at the problem right isn't a solution right okay um so you know you know i have bones to pick okay with folks on both sides of the ideological spectrum um who go ahead and say you know as in the case of many conservatives okay um you know uh we're not going to solve you know uh, uh you know we've already given them so much right you know we've had you know uh uh nearly 70 years of you know uh, uh federal government um uh, welfare system spending right <laughs> i'm like yeah but they still don't have access right right okay none of that none of that counts in the face of not having a voice not having a voice on the other side you know you know you know i take a look at some of the proposals coming out of congress or the biden administration and i'm just like what are we just throwing money at right. problems at structural inequities right you know have you it's, given any have you given any thought to how we go about doing this i mean because one of the more stunning conclusions of the Kerner commission is okay spending a whole bunch of money poorly okay isn't going to go ahead and solve the problem and oh yeah by the way it's more than likely going to go ahead and upset some folks who are just like why are we spending all this money if we don't know okay or have you know a clue in our brains whether or not this is going to address the issue right right i mean it's actually well, going to it actually is going to have to require people okay who don't normally sit down at the table together to actually do what? Sit down at the table and go ahead and say, okay, this is what we think we need. And do the hard work. Yes. That's the thing is, it's really easy to throw money at a problem. Sure. It, it, that's, that's the easy way to, to, to try to look like you're solving a problem. And the super hardest way to solve a problem is to sit and listen to somebody else's viewpoint. Yes. It, it's the hardest thing to do and it's the best thing to do because once you hear it, you can say, okay, how do we get from my viewpoint to your viewpoint? How do we compromise? How do we get to a middle place that will, that will give you access and still give me a sense of having done something? right and having tried to do tried to reach out and do the right thing like it or can't just, just be money to, it can't just be money just, yeah, just being able to look at somebody and say okay so correct me you know you know what do you want right exactly in, in, instead of just making conclusions based on assumptions that may be wrong right that may be wrong okay right. And um, voice, all the voices at the table bring out a better solution. They just do. Sure, because, you know, if they're at the table, then, okay, folks might understand these are the trade-offs, right? 
this is why I've never understood, you know, the, the desire to restrict having people at the table. No, I want them at the table so they actually understand why this is actually a difficult decision, right? Because right. if they're not at the table, then they may not be aware of all the variables, okay, for instance, associated with creating a meaningful, valuable public housing program. If they're not at the table, do they understand what goes into creating a quality public education system? If they're not at the table, do they understand why certain conditions or limitations are placed on government subsidized loans? And there are such conditions, right? You know, right. oh, hey, I have a great idea to go ahead and create this business. I think the government should give me money. Well, the government just doesn't hand over money, notwithstanding, you know, you know what we've done here in this country over the last couple of presidential administrations, but you know we're seemingly just printing it up as we go along. Okay, you know what are the conditions, right? Right. You know it's kind of sort of like Neil when I go ahead and explain to students why I'm doing X assignment a particular way. Now some students still won't like the assignment, but other students are just like, oh. I understand why Augie is doing X because he also has to address this other concern that I never thought of. Right. I never thought of. Right. Right. Both sides benefit. All not both because there are not two sides to any any no. public policy. All sides benefit from all voices being represented because then everybody gets to hear all of the problems, but all the solutions and innovative thinking. Let's try it this way and see if that works. Let's try it on a small scale. And if it works, let's expand it. And if it doesn't, then we can check that off the list of things that don't work, right? And let's keep a running list of things that don't work so we can stop doing them over and over and over again, which is another part of the problem with, I mean, Kerner to now. It's like, it's like you were saying Groundhog Day of, <laughs> just keep having these bad solutions over and over and over instead of trying to get at the real the real problems um uh and i know we've sounded a bit preachy uh in these episodes and for that um for listeners who didn't care for that i hope you stayed to the end if you didn't i understand but if you did i'm glad you did um i think that it would be fair to say that uh, we have a lot of work to do in this country before we can before we can look in the mirror and feel like we're at least trying to address um, the inequalities and inequities built into the American system. Yes. yes. And that we welcome all the voices that will help us do that. Uh, um, we are we look forward to a time when we can get off of this Groundhog Day ferris wheel and and actually move forward and also you know those listeners who uh, uh may not have liked uh some of the more pre you know some of the preacher elements <laughs> of the last couple episodes you know don't misconstrue what me and i are saying you know um you know we don't have all the answers um, um we are not without sin in this regard um, you know, um, for those of you who have not uh, 
looked at our pictures uh, on the library white so, uh, website, okay, you know, you're, you are talking, you know, the, 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 the two participants uh, in this, in these podcast episodes are, you know, two middle-aged white folks, <laughs> right? right? Okay. We don't have all the answers. Wish we yeah, did, we don't, it, but yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't have all the answers. Um, um, uh, we've not experienced uh, what people of color in the United States have experienced. Um, uh, uh, but uh, we're trying to figure it out uh, and we're trying to understand. Um, and for both of us, um, the Kerner Commission um, uh, is a stunning piece of government research. Um, and uh, I don't know if Nia, you agree with this, but I think um, all uh, Americans um, should be exposed to it. Absolutely. Um, um, it, it, it is. It will make you uh, uncomfortable, white people. Yes. Um, it, it will. But it's a good thing for you to hear and read and understand. Um, yeah. I agree with you completely. I think that it's a good thing to be exposed to. Yes. So. Um, and, you know, I, I live for the hope that in my lifetime, we can start having more realistic and honest government discussions. I think they're starting to happen in academia and hopefully that will drift into other, uh, into social policy as people graduate and go out in the world and become social policy makers, uh, that they will take with them the ideas about equity and equality. Yeah. So, thanks, Augie. Thank you, Nia. Thank you for the opportunity uh, to discuss the uh, Kerner Commission report. And uh, we will see listeners or hear. No, we don't see listeners ever. Y'all will we hear won't. from us again soon. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the Workshop for Technical Assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.